And we are back for episode 12 of Journey to New Million. Our off-season previews continue here on the podcast. We have two people on today, both from Official Word Sports. It's a sports podcast, and they, they do some great stuff. And right now we have Vince on. Steve joined us for later in the show previewing the Jets. But right now we got Vince. We're talking Bills. Vince, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, Uh, we have, of course, the Journey to a Million crew here. Jared Valeski, Zach Roush, and myself, Drew Skyberg here. And yeah, we'll be talking right now, Bills. We're going to be talking all things about the Buffalo Bills. We'll start with um, just looking how this, yeah, just looking how this past season went. So, Vince, we'll start with you. Expectation wise, are you happy with how the season ended? Um, Just (laughs) let's hear. You know, I I know the answer is probably no. I just got to hear your thoughts. So first, first and foremost, guys, thank you for having me on. And, uh, you know, it, being a fellow podcaster, being able to talk to somebody uh, new, different uh, to get their vibe and feel, this is awesome. So thank you. Um, when we talk about this year, um, <laughs> on one of our previous episodes, I talked about the stages of grief. And I, I have not really entrench myself in stage seven luckily i've made it to stage seven uh you know going through the first stage of anger and denial and then bitterness and then i wanted to blame somebody and you know i made it all the way from one to seven but as i say i'm fragile right because if people bring it back up i i really still don't want to talk about it uh i've removed the number 13 as i count so you'll hear me count 10 11 12 I will skip 13 and go to 14 because the 13 seconds were just, I don't, I don't get it. So uh, when I, when I look at the season, yeah, it was great. Right. Because as a bills fan, we had 20 years of just heartache and pain and, you know, you have high expectations, lofty expectations. And then, then you look at what's being built, right. I was never a big McDermott fan, but, I saw what was being done and I could appreciate it. You know, you had the, the Houston playoff loss and you're like, all right, you move to the following year, you get to the conference finals, you play the chiefs, you know, come to find out at the end, right. Making excuses. I had all of my starting wide receivers with broken legs and what have you. And now we get to this year. Right. And, you know, I could go game by game of, you know, where I was really worried um, and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later on, but you get to this playoff game and I feel so confident. I really do. And, and that game was a game of the ages. I'm sure you guys watched it. Every, you know, everybody was talking about it. Um, and, and truly, if you could have seen me, you see all these TikTok or Facebook or Instagram videos of people going crazy in their house during the game. Yeah. I needed that because that, fourth quarter I was absolutely going berserk in the last two minutes was just just unreal um but needless to say um it didn't finish the way I wanted it to um I felt as though we were the better team I felt we could have made a long run uh I'm happy to see the progress but a little saddened to see the outcome yeah well that's a good way I think to wrap it up with talking like the bill season just as a whole um just not not the way they wanted to um not the way people wanted it to end i know zach part of the journey million here he was very high actually on the bills right zach 
Yeah, they were my Super Bowl pick before the playoffs, and then obviously up until they lost to the Chiefs. But so, uh, so Zach, it's your fault. It, I guess you could blame it that way. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I mean, Zach, I, would I think blame you... more the Bills' defensive coordinator. But <laughs> Zach, you even said the Bills would beat the Chiefs by a few touchdowns, didn't you? I did. I, I did say that. Yeah. Yeah. You, so, you know that. I think in that game, and it's really starting to turn into a rivalry, you, you could almost throw everything out, right? Whether it be what the offensive defensive rankings are or, you know, what the history is, it really is developing into one of those rivalries that we used to see in the past, right? I, you could go back to when you had the, the Cowboys and the 49ers, right? Um, something along those lines, or, or even the Bears and the Packers, you know, rivalries like that. It, it's, it, but it just it hurts so bad. I I don't blame the defense. I actually blame special teams. Is what I blame. Green Bay. We say the same here as Packer fans. At least Zach and I. Um, you know. Yeah. After, after that, but um, yeah, just. Now looking at free agency as well and like overall the cap situation because now with the off season here, that's what we got to look at. So overall, um, just free agencies like Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, Vernon Butler, Emmanuel Sanders. I'll just start with those four and overall, you know, free agency cap spaces, whole Vince. Are there any guys, you know, of the of maybe even those four or just overall, you know, off season goals with the with the team right now that you need to see accomplished? Yeah, so when you bring up some of those names, you know, you look at Jerry Hughes, he was still productive. You've seen, you know, a slight dip in his overall production, but for the most part, you know, he was a solid veteran player for us. Uh, but he's at the point where the team has been planning for his departure, right? Uh, you, you have Greg Rousseau, you have Boogie Basham, you have those two guys. The year before we got A.J. Epinetza. Uh, who I'm not a big fan of either, um, by the way. Um, but, uh, and then you look at Mario Addison. So you realize that if you're going to maintain anything up front, which our pass rush still has a lot to be desired, uh, one of those two is going to have to stay. Um, you know, if you look, continue looking at some of the other free agents, Emmanuel Sanders, you know, great guy, spot guy, right? We had John Brown basically in that same role, the year before, uh, but I think the emergence of Gabriel Davis, right? And, and we saw Gabriel Davis uh, not this season, the year before, you know, he had that toe tap swag or something like that, right? That's what they kept calling it. He's making great sideline catches, uh, but you're, you're looking at somebody that really should ascend into that number two wide receiver role. Um, so then the question is, when you look at free agents, you have, Cole Beasley, or he's not a free agent, but you have Cole Beasley, you have uh, Isaiah McKinsley, who is a free agent. So now if you're tinkering with the wide receiver, I think you let Beasley go. Um, I think McKinsey, who was in the doghouse off and on this year uh, for fumbling issues, right? But you have him who can, he could slide right into that role of the slot receiver. They used him a lot. Uh, you also have Marquez Stevenson. Um who got a little bit of action, get a little bit of play, but due to injury, probably not as much. And plus he put the ball on the ground. 
<laughs> as well. Um, so, you know, those are some of your choices early on with, with if you look at the front line. Uh, finding replacements. I mean, rumor has it that, that uh, Josh Allen was trying to recruit Christian Kirk uh, on vacation. They were vacationing together. So, you know, that's a possibility. I, I've seen some other guys that, that are listed as free agents that I wouldn't be too upset with if, if they went in that direction of guys like a Byron Pringle, uh, Rashard Higgins, or even a Jakeem Grant, right? You want to get a little bit more speed out there. You want, you want to have a little bit more wiggle uh, with those wide receivers out there. And where we are with the cap, right? I can't look at, you know, the guys that are going to command that, that, that big salary. Yeah. So um, you're more in favor of uh, letting Sanders go and bringing back McKenzie instead and then like cutting Beasley or something? Yeah. So if I were to look at that, you know, I look at Sanders and letting him go and letting Gabriel Davis move into that role, right? Really that number two wide receiver on the team. When I look in the slot, yeah, I, I definitely would let Beasley go. I'd let Beasley go guys for a couple different reasons. A, because I believe I have a good now a veteran replacement in Isaiah McKenzie who has proven himself. You know, he had the game, I think it was New England game where he had 11 catches that game, which just really dominated. Uh, and, and you can use him in the slot. You can use him, um, you know, if you wanted to run jet sweeps or something like that. So you, you would have him there, but also with Beasley, I, I know that the NFL matter of fact today lifted all the COVID protocols, right? But one of the things we debated on our show, and, and you know, I kind of was passionate about this. I don't care where where you fall on the line of the COVID testing or anything like that. But at the end of the day, you have a 53-man roster of guys that are committed for one goal, right? These guys are in it, and it, it's every team, right? These guys are all together to win what I call the exhibition game. <laughs> right. I, I don't call it by the other day. I call it the exhibition. Uh, but everybody's in there to win that. And when you do things that really go against the goal, the stated goal, the team goal, uh, and you put your team in jeopardy, I got issues with that. Right. Then then you you're becoming more of a me player uh, than anything else. And you know, if you don't want to follow the protocols, I get it, right? I, I'm not trying to infringe on anything. But then, you know, you have an opportunity to opt out and say, you know, I just can't follow this because of my beliefs. I don't want to hurt the team. Um, you know, the NFL spoke of potential forfeitures, right? If, you know, it was determined that there was an outbreak or a spread because of an unvaccinated player. I had Beasley that was fined multiple times this year because he didn't follow. If you're not going to do what the NFL says, then you have to follow the rules. And he didn't do that. To me, I don't want that type of player in my locker room because you ultimately you're saying that you're not part of the team. You're an I guy. And the emergence of Davis, of course, helps as well as you mentioned. But I know Zach and I are talking before the show here. We were wondering what you thought. You know, we talk we talk fantasy football here. Uh, Gabriel mm-hmm. Davis, what do you think about his dynasty value, you know, after that big game? Because we actually have a guy in our league right now who, who put him right on the trading block right after that game. What, what do you think we could see from him for next year? Fantasy-wise? Fantasy, it, it's going to be interesting, right, because it depends what kind of league you're in, 
if you're in a league where PPR, you know, oh, but even yeah, if it, even if that, it depends who the other owners are, right? Because Gabriel Davis really could be uh, in a, in a PPR league could be a top top twenty pick, right? Could be even in a top ten. But if you have guys that are focusing on the back of the name, like stars, right? Like a Stefan Diggs. Well, that guy's going to go higher than a Gabriel Davis. But we saw that Gabriel outproduces Diggs a lot of the times in numbers of catches, right? Diggs may get him in yards, but Davis also gets the touchdowns, right? So you're going to get receptions plus touchdowns. Diggs may get you the, the highlight breakaway touchdown. I, I, I'm very high on Gabe Davis. I really am. Yeah. yeah, I think one of like the big things with him so far is he hasn't been as consistent as like Stefan Diggs. Um, I think Diggs, it's you're more like guaranteed double digit points, whereas Davis will have those like 30 point games, but then next week he might have two or three points. So I think that's at least last year's one of the big drawbacks. If he does step up into that wide receiver two role. Um, I think that'll definitely change, especially on a pass happy offense like the Bills. So, well, but here's a, and that's a great point, but here's something you have to consider. Dable's out, right? And so, you know, that, that whole dynamic of the offense, I don't think we're going to see much change now, right? I, I really don't, but I, I think there's going to be, um, I think there's going to be a higher emphasis on the run game. I think they're going to slow down a little bit on Josh running. That dynamic is still there. Uh, but I think they, if Davis goes into that number two, I think you're going to see the consistency start to balance out a little bit. So that it, it will be interesting. It's hard, you know, and guys, this is why this is so much fun, right? Because we get a chance to try to guess and predict, but we have no idea what, what, what they're thinking about, you know, when you talk about it, one bill's drive. You know, all of a sudden, you have a new OC, and he's like, you know, I want to run this kind of offense. I I don't think it's going to change, though. I don't think it's going to change much, but it'll be fun. Certainly. Are you are you in favor of the Bills trying to go out and trade for like a Saquon Barkley or some like top tier running back to like kind of take over from Singletary and obviously Breed at the end of the season? Yeah, that great question there. Um, Obviously, the, the running game was not clicking for the vast majority of the year. Um, it, it, they started to do some things, um, it seemed after the Tampa Bay game, which was like week 12 or something like that. Um, I don't want to trade for a Saquon Barkley. I don't want to trade for Christian McCaffrey. Um, I think those guys are great, but they're also injury prone. And it's going to take a lot of capital uh, away from what you have and we already talked about how uh, you know we're up against the cap right so there's some things you're gonna have to do and, and whether it be giving away draft assets that um, you know way that the picks are are set now um, you know you, you can kind of maneuver with your salary cap if you draft well uh, but there's some guys that are out there right it, it's with maybe not the big name like a Saquon like you mentioned but uh, Addressing the running game, um, I'd love to see them go after Leonard Fournette, right? Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the Buccaneers do with him, but I think that we could get him right around that $8 million marker, 
Um, Melvin Gordon's another one. And the name that keeps coming back is Cordell Patterson. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I, I am all in on upgrading the running game. But one thing that to keep in mind, guys, that our running game changed um, where, I mean, you guys know, it was really just anemic in the first half of the season. And it wasn't until they made uh, changes on the offensive line. Uh, we had John Feliciano, who was supposed to come in and, and be this, you know, big, big menacing, you know, just nasty type run blocker. And it, it just wasn't getting it done. And they just a subtle move of moving Ryan Bates in there, uh, who's actually an unrestricted or he's a restricted free agent this year. Uh, but they moved him in there and it it really seemed to solidify that offensive line. Yeah, good performance from from Singletary. Allen had more time in the pocket. So things started to level out. I, you know, so uh, going back to that question, I, I don't want to spend the capital, but I do want to upgrade the running game. Yeah, and talking team needs, I guess, what, where do you think is going to be the biggest need? Like, you know, cornerback, obviously concern, offensive line, like you mentioned. Like, where, where do you think, you know, is the biggest concern? Like, look, talking about the draft especially for – kind of solving these needs yeah so that's interesting right and and you guys probably see this as well you hear all of these draft experts start talking about where the needs are well a it's hard to tell where the the needs are prior to free agency right free agency starts in a couple weeks and the draft is like more than a month away right so i don't i don't know as far as true draft needs um if if Depending on what free agency looks like, um, I, I would definitely see defensive back, uh, cornerback being a, a high concern. There, there's a couple of guys out there. I don't know if you guys have been following, uh, but the guy that's number one on my board that I've kind of been pumping up and maybe I should stop is uh, this kid, K- uh, Kair Elon, uh, the DB out of Florida. Um, he's got the size, he's got the speed. He was basically a lockdown corner. He can play the run. He, you know, he can do everything you ask for. Um, and I've seen him in the mocks go as high as in the teens. Uh, I've also seen him go as low as going into the second round. So, you know, where we're drafting, um, I think it kind of is a sweet spot. I think there's two other corners that I would love to see them go after Trent McDuffie or Mario Goodrich. Uh, but that's where if, I had my draft capital. My first pick would go defensive back. After that, uh, you know, in the, you know, few rounds after, you know, then it, it becomes, you know, where's your true need? Uh, offensive line, there's there's a couple of guards out there that I'd like to see us go after. You know, we were just talking about running backs, right? Me, my board is probably different than Brandon Bean's board, right? Because I like the big power back. Right. So I, I'd like that kid, Brian Robinson out of Alabama. Right. Nice, big, stocky guy. You know, he's a one cut, you know, similar to Derrick Henry. Right. That that type of back that you can put out there and then use Singletary, who's also a, a strong, durable back, but use him in a supplemental role. Yeah, I actually agree with that 100 percent. I think that the Bills, all they really need is I mean, they need more, but I think that they should focus on getting a running back because like. You saw Josh Allen this year with like his career high in attempts, pass attempts. They relied on him a lot. And he also like ran the ball as well. So like if they get a running game, just like a solid strong back, like you said, 
Um, I think they'd be like a triple threat on offense. For sure. For sure. You know, and interestingly enough, uh, Matt Breida, they brought him in, you know, to kind of be a little bit of that change of pace type back, you know, allow him to use his speed. But he he didn't fit well into the offense. And I, I go back to Dable, guys. Um, you know, rumors, you know, the dirty laundry always comes out after, you know, there's there's a, a breakup, right? Uh, then you start hearing that, you know, that there were there was a lot of tension between McDermott and Dable. I don't know how true it was. Um, I don't know who is putting out those stories, uh, but it, it makes a lot of sense because you saw week to week that the game plan would change and it's not changing based on the opponent. It just is the, the ideology of what was being put out there. And so, um, you know, whether it's having Josh not run as much as he did or pick and choose uh, where he runs or bringing in the right players, you know, if you have a Matt Breida, um, you, you can use him in the screen game. You can use him on the swing passes. You can use him on wheel routes, right? You can spread him out if you go five wide and you know that you have a guy and he can change the defensive alignment, right? Because you could go five wide and then all of a sudden come back. And now, you know, you're, you have him sitting at the tailback position. I mean, so you can manipulate the defense. You can actually allow Josh to be able to read the defense a little bit better and still go into your base, but they didn't do that. Um, so it, it, it will be interesting to see if they try to re-sign him or, as I mentioned, the Cordell Patterson, right, that fits into that same mold. Maybe you sneak even Isaiah McKenzie, right, bring him back and kind of fall into that role as well. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, uh, you mentioned the corner out of Florida. Is there any other, um, you know, guys in your draft board that you are looking out for in the later rounds? Yeah. So again, out of the t- if for my first pick, I have those three. I have uh, Elon out of Florida. I like the kid Trent McDuffie out of Washington, and Mario Goodrich out of Clemson. McDuffie is the one that seems to stay in that in that ten to twenty range, right? I rarely do I see him drop any lower than twenty. Uh, but if he does, I'd love to grab him there. Um, you know, when I look at the offensive line, uh, a guy that fits real well into Sean McDermott and what he likes, and that's versatility, uh, is a kid, uh, Ed Ingram out of LSU, um, you know, very versatile across that that offensive line. Uh, you know, plus coming from a, a major, you know, what is it, FBS now uh, conference, Um you know, he's played in the meaningful games. He's played against the bigger bodies, uh, and he's shown out. Um, a guy that may be a late-round sleeper that I like is uh, – and, and I'm going to butcher the guy's name, so please forgive me, but I think it's uh, Lysidus Smith. Uh, he's also a guard. He's a he's a converted tight end, right? And, um, you know, always that, that – you know, brings back some memories of a uh, person that we did that. I, I refuse to mention his name, the way that he left our organization uh, and went to the Eagles. Uh, that's all I'll say for him. But, uh, you know, getting somebody like that, um, you know, the, who's a project and seeing how that worked out in the past for us, I, I would definitely like to uh, take a flyer on that kid. 
Yeah. Is there anything you guys want to mention before we, I read the 2022 to 2023 bills schedule. Oh, anything uh, for anything for me or your crew there looks all right. Looks like I'm going to read the schedule here. So for the bills here, I'll read the opponents. And then first thing you're going to do Vince, you're going to give me the first record that comes to your mind after I read these 17 games. You ready? You got it. All right. At Baltimore, at Chicago, at Cincinnati, at Detroit, at Miami, at New England, at New York against the Jets, hosting Miami, hosting the Patriots, hosting the Jets, hosting the Browns, hosting the Steelers, hosting the Packers, hosting the Vikings, hosting the Titans, going to Kansas City, and then going to play the Super Bowl champ Rams. So what do you think? 17 games. 17 and 0. 17 and 0. <laughs> I I you know, it's too early for me not to say 17 and 0. I I have always given my my preseason pick that said that we were going to go 17 and 0. In in all fairness, it, it on paper at times it could seem like a very tough schedule. I think it's very favorable. When you look at the teams that we have at home, you know, the quality teams that we have that are that will be coming as home games for us. I think that that bodes well uh, with anything. And I'm going to give you a, a very um, team team type answer, right, uh, that we're going to take it one game at a time. Uh, we want to make sure that we go without injuries, um, you know, and if we do have injuries, we want to make sure that we have the proper depth in there. Uh, but in, in all fairness, um, I don't see why um, 13 games is not obtainable. No, I, 13 victories. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Jared, we'll go to you. Um, I would say 14 and three. I think we all agreed earlier that we think the Bills are going to go to the Super Bowl. I think we all said that on an earlier podcast, and I stand by that. I don't see them losing more than three games all year. So I'd say 14 and three. There you go again, Jared. See? <laughs> and and by, by the way, guys, <laughs> I, I, I am on this mission for everybody to stop calling it the, the Super Bowl. It's an exhibition game. And, and I'll tell you why. Everybody says it's because my Bills haven't won. That's not why. The championship games in the NFC and the AFC are typically, you know, this year may be a little different, but are, are the best games that you have right? Then when those games are over, then it becomes this big hoopla. You got parties, you got media day, you got all this stuff that goes on that you don't have at any other time. Then you get to the game and, you know, you have a three minute national anthem, you have a flyover, you have another national anthem, you got players and introductions and all this stuff. Then you have a halftime show that lasts 30 minutes, right? It's all part of you know, the fan experience, which makes it an exhibition game, not a real game. So I, I that's what I call it as an exhibition game. I mean, you're right about the whole championship game because the Bills Chiefs game was 10 times better than the Super Bowl this year. So. <laughs> hey, Jared, that sure. was the division round. Yeah, uh, it, that was even the championship Yeah, game. I mean, that was better. But, uh, I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm going to go 14 and three as well. I'm a big Josh Allen fan. And I think they their defense obviously is legit. We saw that this year. But I think they have some weapons to let them go this offseason and then still bring in pieces where they need them to solidify their secondary. And then obviously their O-line and 
kind of upgrade their run game a little bit. I'll go 13 and four. Sorry, I, I can't go 14, but you know, I, I still are my Super Bowl favorite. All right, to wrap up, I'm gonna read the Jets records that were set later in this episode. So, are you ready? Just, I just, we, this is just for Vince's reaction. We want to hear this. So, we had Steve go seven and 10. That's lofty expectations there. <laughs> and then, um, I, I think I might mix up the names here. Zach, did you go? What was the record you chose? Oh, no. I said nine and eight. That what? You did, <laughs> you did say what? nine and eight. He's got Zach Wilson dynasty value. Uh, so maybe a little biased there. I said I was, uh, I was inspired by how Wilson ended the season, and I like some of their young pieces. So I'm also a Robert Sala fan, so I think oh, he's going to help that team. Uh-huh. Oh. Stevie D's gonna love that one. <laughs> he did. He did. Jared went seven and ten, and then you know I, I went in the middle. I went eight and nine. Um, might go a little bold, um, but you know I, I can't put them over five hundred. I cannot believe Zach did that, but that was just a little spoiler for people who will be listening to the second half of the episode. Those were the records chosen. So you know, no, we, guys, we, d- don't be too nice to CVD. All right, you know five, five and twelve, six and eleven. That that's the sweet spot. I might have tied into it a little bit, just being a little too nice. But hey, that's that's what we got. And uh yeah, we thank you for coming on, Vince. Uh we talked to Steve later in the episode, so we, we made sure he got all of his stuff shouted out. We got the po- the podcast for you guys shouted out. But yeah, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me. I really do. And uh we gotta do this again. We'll have you guys come on official word sports as well. Love to have you. This is this is good. That would be a lot of fun. But yeah, with that, let's go to the second half of the episode here. Episode 12 of the Journey to a Million resumes here on the podcast. We have on our second guest, Steve DeCola now of the official Word Sports podcast. So, Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing fabulous. I can't, I'm excited to be on your podcast with the boys and talk a little Jets football. How exciting. Yeah, we started with the Bills and now here we are with the New York Jets. So this is going to be a lot of fun here, and let's get right into it. Let's talk kind of about how this past season went. Uh, Steve, overall, how, how are you? How did you feel this past year? Well, it was better than the previous year under Adam Gase. So, um, I, you know, from a Jets fan base, we we're excited to see Adam Gase go and see the new regime with Robert Sala and to see what he can do in his energy. Um, from a results perspective, we didn't, we didn't get the results that every Jet fan wants to see, right? We want to be in the playoffs. Uh, but it, it was a painful season. And if, and if I was going to say it, it was really marred by injury, uh, kind of derailed our secondary really bad. Um, you know, obviously, when you have a rookie head coach, first time play caller in Michael LaFleur as our offensive coordinator, our passing game coordinator passed away in a freak car accident um, a month before training camp. So that that kind of hurt Zach Wilson a little bit. Uh, but then you got Zach Wilson, a rookie quarterback. Um, you got a rookie running back. You got a rookie wide receiver. You got a rookie on the line that you draft. And so all that has to come together. And it didn't yield the results from a wins-loss perspective. But what it did yield was a lot of reps for a lot of young players because we have a young roster going into the year. Uh, The Jets had the youngest roster in the NFL going into 21. And so just to see that maturation and growth, um, that's really from a fan perspective, we knew we weren't going to win, but we wanted to see growth. And I think we saw growth in certain areas and in certain areas on the defensive side of the ball didn't, didn't look too pretty. 
Yeah. Any, any Jared, Zach, you guys watch or notice anything that you guys saw, especially from the Jets? I mean, going into the year, I knew from like an outside perspective that they weren't really projected to be obviously like a playoff team. But like you said, growth, just like building off of it with rookie players, young players. They did bring in Corey Davis. And I was kind of expecting like, I mean, a bit, not a bigger name guy, but like someone that you've heard of. So like over the offseason, they made some moves. So like they're making that growth. And like you said, they're going to get better and better. Yeah. yeah, I was kind of expecting Corey Davis to I don't know, have a better season or be a bigger part. Obviously, he had his games, but uh, I was. How do you feel about Zach Davis? Because or not Zach Davis, uh, Zach Wilson. Because as a uh, dynasty Zach Wilson owner, uh, would you suggest holding on to him or trying to see what I can get? Well, I, I don't know if you're really going to see. It, it depends, right? So it, it, there's a couple ways I can go here with Zach Wilson. So Zach Wilson was a turnover machine his first five games, right? He he had. He had uh, what was it, seven picks in the first five games. Um, it was a disaster. And then he gets hurt, right? And then he gets to see Mike White, right? Hall of Fame Mike White for one game comes in, <laughs> beats the Bengals, 400-plus yards. All this stuff goes to the Hall of Fame. Michael LaFleur, at that point in time, he moves up top to watch from the games up top instead of being on the field. Zach Wilson getting hurt, missing, you know, five games. I think it was five games total um, and with the knee injury. And so he got to see how the offense was run. And so when he came back, he only had two interceptions over his last eight games, right? So he had nine in his first first um, five games. I mean, seven in his first five, two in his last eight. That That is a – I mean, I'd say – so you saw their improvement right there. But what the Jets' issues were really, I thought, and I thought the Buffalo Bills really showed it to the Jets really how bad the Jets' receiving core was last year. The Jets were dead last in man coverage, dead last in man coverage. So when the receivers went out and defenses played man coverage, the receivers couldn't get separation. So when you sign a Corey Davis, right, when he was healthy, he really didn't produce because he couldn't get this. When they, when they played man coverage, he couldn't get separation. And in order for, you know, the Jets offense to be successful, they got to get some receivers that can, can, you know, get away from the man coverage. Zone coverage, they were a different team offensively when they were in when the defenses played zone coverage. But teams like Buffalo that can afford to play man and play it well, it, it the Jets look bad and they played bad against man coverage. So really for this year, I, I still think the Jets have to go out and get that number one. I think that Corey Davis is a number two. They got to go get a number one for Zach. So it's gonna be interesting to see there. Yeah, and talking free agents cap space right now. Um Little, little under 45 million cap space, 44.7 you know, mil, roughly around there. And then, like, free agents, Marcus May is one of, one of those guys. And then, I mean, and then Jamison Crowder as well as a, you know, well, free, free agents, those two guys. What, what do you? So, so it's interesting. I think the Jets are going to be at 60 when it's all said and done uh, with cap space. I think there's, there's, there's players there that can be cut. Um, they have some guys at around three, five million dollars. Um, our, our center, uh, Connor McGovern, he, I mean, his cap hit is quite, quite expensive. Um, I would say Ryan Griffin is a cup, uh, uh, a cut potential. Uh, Van Rotten, well, he's already been cut. Sheldon Rakins, Justin Hardy, and then, like I said, McGovern, uh, cover, uh, Connor McGovern, which I think will get us to around 60. Um, and then we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but I think from a free agent perspective, Marcus May, 
he may get franchised. You know, when he tore his Achilles, it's like, what do you do? Do you let him walk and you get nothing? Do you tag him, pay the high hey price? Because you need a safety, right? Because most likely the Jets are going to draft a safety or go after Bates from Cincinnati, I, I would think. Uh, but we need a safety. So uh, I'm either way with Marcus May. Uh, personally speaking, I think you move on. Um, he's had one healthy year since he's come into the league. If the money on the franchise tag, I'd probably let him walk coming off an Achilles. I, to be honest, I like Marcus May. I just think it's time to move on um, from, from him. Um, some other free agents. Honestly, I like the, the trade we made with Kansas City to get Tardif, uh, Laurent Tardif, uh, the right guard. Uh, I do like him, um, whether you sign him to be a starter. Uh, when he kind of got his feet wet, the offensive line kind of really came together when they, when they got rid of Van Rotten moved him to the bench because he was rotten and uh, he had pun intended there. Um, <laughs> and so I do like that Crowder. You mentioned Jameson. I love Jameson Crowder, but you know, in typical jets fashion, they go cheap. So in the, in the preseason last year, he was a $10 million guy. And they said, well, we don't want to pay you 10 million. And we come back for five. Now all of a sudden he got mystery. He had a mystery injury. And because he didn't want to, you know, play for five and he finally signed the deal, he restructured his deal to come back at five. And, and he only played maybe five games last year, all because I thought they weren't playing him so they can trade him before the deadline. That didn't happen. So I don't think Crowder's coming back. And I think what they're going to look at is Braxton Barrios, who's a free agent. He was the, uh, he was a, a first team all pro uh, kick returner in the NFL this year. So I, I think the Jets are really going to try and sign him. And he would replace Crowder in the lineup in that spot. That's how I see that kind of falling out. Yeah. Talking about Braxton Barrios, do you see him like having, you know, increased, you mentioned with Crowder, do you, do you think an increased role certainly for him? Cause we talked like this receiving core, you know, Mims didn't really show up, uh, you know, overall just what, what do you think? Well, uh, I like Braxton Barrios. Um, his camp is talking $9 million a year. I think that's a stretch. Uh, where you haven't really proved yourself as a durable wide receiver. I mean, if you're trying to sell yourself as Cooper Cup, uh, well, you, you, we're not the L.A. Rams, right? So uh, until Zach Wilson and, and the offensive line can show us, you know, something, I, I, I can't give Braxton nine million. But if he would come in at, at six, um, I, I, I would take him all, all day long. But I, I wouldn't take him at nine. Um, uh, as far as Mims. Oh my God, what a disaster Mims has turned out to be. Mims, you know, a second round pick out of, I think, was it Purdue? I forget, Purdue. I don't know what, what college he went to. I'm not the best with college football. But the problem with Mims is he couldn't grasp the offense. They said he had problems going in motion. And it's funny, when they finally came out and said that, I started watching him in the games. I'm like, oh my God, he is horrible in motion. He moves before the stop. It's like, how many times are we going to get the false start or illegal motion, I should say, illegal shift? I mean, come on, Mims, how hard is it to go across the field, set yourself, they, they hike the ball, and off you go. So he's been very disappointing, although they say they're not giving up on him. He's got speed. He's got decent hands. So hopefully they can make it work because it would be, a, you know, typical Jets fashion, have another high-round pick as a wide receiver not make it. So we're, we're famous at that. Yeah, is there any free agents, uh, Jared, Zach, you guys for the Jets you think are must-signs, of course, with you as well, Steve? Well, I'll let the guys go first. Um, I definitely got some names. I can I mean, see these names. Uh, you can go, Zach. Like if, uh, J.C. Jackson. I mean, Jets need some secondary. One of the top corners on the market. I think that'd be a good fit. 
he would be a good fit. Um, I don't know if Joe Douglas will go 18 to 20 million for him. And I think the Jets got burned by, God, what was that guy's name? From LA. He came out from LA. Tremaine Johnson. Oh my God, a horrible signing. Four years, like almost $80 million. And the guy played like four games. Um, I don't know if the Jets would shell out. I don't know if Joe Douglas would shell out that kind of money, but he would definitely fill that hole at corner. Right. I mean, that's, that's it, a whole, right. Yeah. You can go draft or you can go free agency, but JC Jackson looks like he's going to be an 18 to 20. Somebody just was talking or, or somebody just re-signed with one of their teams today, I believe, and, and got about uh, $20 million a year, four years, 80. Uh, but uh, yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, that's even... obviously every cap space, which not a lot of teams do without uh, kind of like working around the cap space. So. Yeah, even with like, uh, if like you said, they need a, a one, like you said, um, Corey Davis could be their two. So maybe if they even go out and trade for like a Allen Robinson, someone like you know, just a, a solid role player that could serve as their one, or maybe like split with Corey Davis. I think that would be one of their missing pieces they they could have. We we definitely I like Allen Robinson uh, uh, with the Bears right now. Um, I don't know if he's an unrestricted free agent or he's on the contract. I know you mentioned him. Uh, um, he got tagged sure. last year. Yeah. So I think he's unrestricted. Okay. Um, I like Allen Robertson. Uh, uh, Robinson, I, I do. Um, again, you know, Joe Douglas is that wild card. He paid Corey Davis. Will he go out and pay for another wide receiver? I don't know. It's the wild card um, there. Um, I like, I think we have to upgrade at center. Right. I, I to me, I'd go, I would target the guy from Tampa, uh, Jensen, Ryan Jensen, uh, the center. Right. I, I think he would be a good, I think, I think, Zach needs that. And everybody's going to laugh when I say Mark Sanchez, right? Because Mark Sanchez fizzled out really quick. Because I, I just don't think he was really serious about his football career. But he came into the league and he had Nick Mangle at Ohio State, who was a beast of a center, right? He was one of the, I think, final 15 finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame this year. And he helped as much as he could help Mark Sanchez because he was a disaster, but he, he, you really need for a young center, you need a commander out there that can spot things and help the quarterback. And I just don't think Connor McGovern is that center to help Zach Wilson. So I think center somewhere in this list should be paramount to upgrade. Yeah, I think it also kind of depends what they uh, plan to do in the draft. Cause a lot of like mock drafts have them taking uh, secondary or wide receiver, and obviously they have two top 10 picks. So I think that'll dictate a lot what they do in free agency. That's interesting on the top 10, right? You know, it's funny. We trade Jamal Adams and get the two ones. And we're like, oh, Seattle, right? They're going to be, you know, in the playoffs. And then they tank. And I was like, every week I'm like, oh, lose again. And so we wound up getting the 10th pick, you know, right, from Seattle, which is a home run. I'm just worried that they may trade down, you know, Trader Joe may, may trade down. Somebody may want to come up and try and get, grab a quarterback at 10. And, and so that, you know, the jets again, stockpiling picks and move down later. But um, with the first pick at the fourth overall, I, I really want to see Stingley at, at LSU. I, I like him. Um, there was talks about the kid from uh, Notre Dame, uh, the safety out of Notre Dame. And they escaped me right now. Um, Kyle Hamilton. Kyle, yeah. 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 Yep. Uh, Kyle out of Notre Dame uh, as safety, but I, I don't think they'll do safety at four because you had Jamal Adams at six a couple of years ago. So I, I don't think they'll do that. Um, you have LaMarcus, maybe they re-sign LaMarcus Joyner, the safety that got hurt. Um, again, another guy that got hurt. I mean, we lost Marcus May and Joyner are two starting safeties 
uh, by week by week two or something. So um, I, I could see bringing him back and then and then possibly uh, signing Bates, uh, like I mentioned earlier, to play safety. Uh, but I like Stingley uh, at four. And as far as the second round is concerned, it's interesting because you can go again guard, right? To go the right guard if you don't sign Tardif, or if you want to sign Tardif, but keep him as a backup and maybe draft Darian Kennard out of Kentucky. Um, he's a pretty pretty stud uh, guard out of there. Um, we're going to have some changes on the defensive line. We're going to lose. Um, we're probably going to cut uh, uh, Nathan Shepard and, and uh, for the cost you, it's probably going to go because of free agency. And maybe you draft Devon Wyatt at tackle. And I think the wild card and people may kill me on this one. The wild card may be if Drake London from USC falls because he got hurt. And if he's available, I could see them taking him in the second with the second round second pick the second pick of the second round maybe he falls to the third but at six foot four again it just don't have luck with injuries so maybe they they shine away but maybe that kid's talent is too great that if he slips maybe, maybe you take him you know in the second or third round uh, if he's available yeah there's been a lot of projections with uh drake going to the jets the 10 pick um, I don't know if he'd make it all the way to second round, but there are some other receivers like uh, Dotson at uh, Penn State. And then obviously there's a couple other ones like Menchie from Alabama. So there's plenty of receivers if they do want to wait until the second round and use those two first round picks on other positions. I, I don't think they're going to go. I think they're going defense. They may go guard with the second, this with the 10th pick, but we that defense is a shambles. I mean, they had practice squad guys that they were signing from other teams to play corner and safety. I mean, it was so bad. I think the Jets started six different safeties and we were p- picking kids that should never be in the NFL. And I feel, you feel for him, right? Cause he was a kid getting pumped up. His dreams coming true, but all of a sudden now you're part of the defense that's worth worst of all time. Cause you were forced into playing. You had no business being on NFL football field. It, it was horrible, but the Jets got to figure out how to stay healthy. Cause it's the, you know, I, I talk to my coach Vince all the time about this. It, it's, you can only give injuries an excuse for so long. You got to figure it out from, from the front office all the way down to strength and training, right? These, some of these injuries are not freak injuries. It's like, come on guys, we got to We got to get players on the field that can play 17 games and, and the jets are far from that. So maybe they would shy away from a guy named like Drake Landon because he's got an injury bug there with the shattered ankle and, and it's not worth it. But at the end of the day, we, we got we got whoever we sign, whoever we draft, they got to stay healthy. Uh, cause it's, it's a killer. It's an absolute killer. Yeah, for sure. Um, so needs like you'd like with that first pick for sure. You would want, are you looking someone on the defensive end and then you really then focus on receiver? How do you want the draft to be approached by the jets? I, I want, I want defense first. Uh, we have to start building that back in, um, you know, from a, from a defensive line, you have J- Jonathan Franklin Myers, who was with the Rams, and the Jets plucked him on one of those, we're going to cut you and bring you back the next day. And the Jets plucked him. And then they just, and he, he's a, he's a pretty good young player. And they got Quinton Williams, right, from Alabama. He's a nice young player, too, that they just picked up the fifth-year option. And then the guy that got hurt in training camp, Carl Lawson, who's our edge rusher, who we signed from Cincinnati, that's a potential of a, you know, 12 to 13 sack kind of guy coming back from an injury. So I like our line. C.J. Mosley in the middle is a beast. Our outside linebacker, we signed Quinton's brother, Quincy. Guy's got a ton of speed and hit you. 
but his football IQ, I don't think is all the way up there where it needs to be. So we got a hole at out, the other outside linebacker and then our sec- secondary, other than Bryce Hall, you, you can draft three corners. I mean, you, you just need, you need corners, corners and safeties. We're bad, 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 bad. So um, I, I see going a lot defense and uh, uh, I, I think a lot of picks are going to go to defense and, and, a, and a couple to the offensive line. And I see here nine picks for the, the Jets. So a lot of five, lot of... five in the first 69. Yep. So that, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So hopefully that'll work out. And then to kind of wrap up here, I'm going to read some opponents from next year, next year's schedule. And then I want to hear the first record that comes to your mind and we write them down. So we see if, you know, what if this comes to true or not, see if you can predict the future, basically. So I'm going to start, I'm going to read, read the opponents. Here we go. Do I have to say win or loss right then and there? Or nope, nope, no, at the end, end. At the end. Okay. I read the opponents. You, okay. Here we go. Okay. At Cleveland against the Browns. At Lambeau against the Packers. At Miami. At Minnesota. At New England. Hosting Buffalo. Hosting Miami. Hosting New England. Hosting Baltimore. Hosting Cincinnati. Hosting Chicago Bears. Hosting the Detroit Lions. At Pittsburgh. At Buffalo. At Denver hosting Jacksonville, and then at Seattle to wrap up to last game there. So 17 games, what are you thinking? Oh, boy. Um, you know, it's hard because when you do this this early without free agents and drafts and training camp and all that, right, that's the hard part, right? For me, a successful season would be 7-10. and 10. If you can eke out seven wins, I'd take that, right? And because you're a four-win team last year, Right. You beat the Bengals. Right. (laughs) You you beat the Tennessee Titans with a one seed. So you you went and beat and beat. You had some good wins. Uh, You probably shouldn't won because they probably took you too lightly anyway. But near no there. You still won the game. You can only play the games in front of you. Um, But I think seven wins. But it's more than the seven wins. It's being competitive. Right. It's there was so many games. It just got blown out. Right. Early on in the year. Zach was a turnover machine. So you're putting your defense on the field all the time. We couldn't get a first down in the first quarter, like the first five weeks of the year. I think they had the first four games had eight total first downs in four games in the first quarter, right? You're you're putting everything, you're putting too much strain on that defense, right? So they got to get more competitive. So I would say if you got the seven wins, I'd take that with the growth of Zach Wilson, right? It's all about Zach. This whole ship is about Zach. That's all I care about is are we going forward with Zach? Are we giving him the offensive line and enough weapons to go out there and and be competitive offensively? Because I don't think our defense is going to be ready to go in year two on the Robert Sala, right? You're going to, you're going to have these draft picks. They got to learn. You got to learn how to play. And a lot of people don't realize the Jets went from a three, four to a four, three. And anybody in any team that's made that transition from a three, four or four, three, the personnel is very different in those type of defenses. So you're going to struggle up front and it and, and showed because we couldn't stop a nosebleed on the run, but that was part of that transition from a three, four to a four, three in learning that new scheme for the, a lot of those holdover players. So uh, I say seven, seven and 10, that's the stretch eight, nine. Woo. I'm having a party. Oh boy. Eight, nine, I'm taking it, but seven yeah. and 10 is probably more, more realistic. Um, 
what do you think the chances of the Jets having like a Cincinnati Bengals kind of year are? Like if they just explode and have like a like a twelve or eleven win season, do you think that's possible, or do you think it's no. still a few years away? No, I feel, no, uh, we don't have the talent that Cincinnati had on defense um, right now. Joe Burrow is ahead of Zach Wilson. Uh, as, even though Joe got hurt his first his rookie year, you saw what Joe Burrow was. Zach Wilson's rookie year, you saw a flash every now and again that I can throw the ball 65 yards. But his decision-making still has to improve. Again, I think the offensive line caused that. But Joe is that I'm that pocket passer and I'm throwing darts where Zach Wilson's not just not there. Joe Mixon, solid running back. I like Michael Carter, the, right? He was the rookie running back. I like him, but he's not Joe Mixon. Not, not Joe Mixon. And plus the Jets uh, tight ends and running back blocking and pass blocking was the worst in the NFL. I just read that statistics. It was the worst in the NFL. So if your running backs and your tight ends can't help you and your offensive line, not good. So, um, so hopefully I answered your question. Yeah. I didn't know if you had a slight bias in you that you would might see that happening, but just no, I, I would love to say that, but in all, in all say, I, I just don't, the defense is, is so subpar. When you think of the Bengals had playmakers on every level, right, from the safety to the linebacker and Wilson to that defensive line, right? They, they signed the guy, uh, Hendrickson, from, uh, uh, from the Saints, who played uh, right end. And then you had Hubbard, 94, in the middle. Those guys were a beast in the playoffs, right? They really showed their value there. And so the, they had playmakers on each level. They had a, The Jets don't have those playmakers on each level. Not, not right now. Jared, let's hear your record. I was actually going to say exactly the same as Steve. I was going to say seven and ten, if That's not fine. uh eight no, you and nine. Do, you, you can you can do seven and ten. Are you do you want to go eight and nine? I'll, I'll say in seven and ten. All right, Zach. Nine and eight. Nine and eight. Zach's a, a little biased with the Wilson dynasty hold. I, I <laughs> That's swear. what I'm talking about. <laughs> I was encouraged by him at the end of the year, and I think uh Elijah Moore uh definitely had some games where he showed a little bit before he got hurt. And uh, I think Michael Carter has the tools to be a solid running back. So they're definitely building the right way. They have playoff teams, Zach? You don't. I think they're going to be on the edge, kind of like the Colts were this year. But they're not going to miss because they lost to Jack. Talking about, I'm glad you're seeing something I'm not seeing. I'm liking that. But, you know, Elijah Moore, what a steal, right, in the second round. But I I just got to say, nickname. For Elijah Moore, is my, my son and I, we say, Elijah Moore, I want some more. I want some more because that, that kid is something special. And uh, they got to find a way to get him the ball, whether it's jet sweeps, uh, wide receivers, screens, or whatever the case may be. That, that kid's a playmaker. Yeah, and I'll round out uh, choosing. I actually didn't choose for the Rams or for any of the other ones. And I got to start choosing. So I'm going to go off it right in the middle between you, you guys all. I'm going to go 8-9. So right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a win higher. But, you know, yeah. Let's go Jets. You know, it's been years of losing, uh, and this needs to change. So, yes, so, I, I mean, that's that's going to be where I go with that. But, yeah, Steve, do you want to talk about where we can listen to official word sports? Sure. Well, th- first, thanks, everybody, for having us on. Well, have me on. And uh, my co-host, Vince, and I, uh, we do official word sports. You can find us on, on Facebook. At Official Word Sports, um, OW Sports. You can find us on Twitter um, at OW um, Sports 12. You can get us on all the podcast platforms from Spotify to Apple to Google at OW Sports, Instagram, 
OW underscore sports um, and wherever YouTube, same thing, OW sports. Um, and we're out there and, and we're like you guys, we just love talking sports and that's what it's all about. Just having fun and talking about different topics and it's great. And we have a good time and you know, it's where we battle, right? So he's bills and I'm jets. And so sometimes we have those battle Royals. We had a couple of them this year. It was fun, you know, and then he gets to put me in my place because my team is so bad that what, what am I going to say? <laughs> so um, he, he, he kind of wins those battles right now. Yeah. And we'll have their, their podcast link in our bio for this episode. So make sure to check it there. We'll take them on the Instagram, the social media stuff. So you'll find them there on our Instagram, Jordan Drew underscore sports crew, Twitter at JD sports pod, YouTube, Jordan Drew, the sports crew, and then Facebook, Jordan Drew, the sports crew. So anyone have anything else before we conclude this episode? Perfect. All right. Well, it was great to have you on. Like I said, Steve, so now we wish you guys the best you and Vince over at OW sports. So yeah. Thank you all for listening to yet another episode of Jordan Drew, the sports crew, the perfect podcast for you.